We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And away we go, episode 443 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, November 15th, 2022, the day after, heck, just hours after, maybe the single most improbable win for Washington in the Ron Rivera era. The 23-17 win at the Pittsburgh Steelers on December 7th. 2020 was an improbable win. The 29-19 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th, 2021 was an improbable win. Uh, Well, Monday was the one-year anniversary of that win over the Bucs, and wouldn't you know it, Washington celebrated that anniversary with yet another improbable win. A stunning, a shocking 32-21 victory at the Philadelphia Eagles, who came into the game 8-0 in the 2022 regular season and now are 8-1 in the 2022 regular season. The Commanders did it. They won. They're now 5-5, 4-1 since the four-game losing streak, and they are a half game behind the San Francisco 49ers for the NFC's third and final wildcard spot. The Commanders, my friends, are legitimately in playoff contention. Hello and welcome to this Commanders post-game show Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. I am on no sleep, okay? I have been up all night, but it has been worth it. Uh, there is an energy, people. There is a momentum for shows like this one off a victory like that one on Monday night. Capping a day, by the way, in which we had the first actual public comments from Jeff Bezos on potentially buying our commanders. We, on Monday morning, had the airing of a CNN interview with Amazon founder and contender to buy the commanders, Jeff Bezos. Uh, He and his uh, partner, Lauren Sanchez, sat down with CNN's uh, Chloe Malas. Malas asked Bezos about buying the commanders. Sanchez uh, chimed in. Uh, Here's how this portion of the interview went down. There's some buzz 
that you might be adding NFL owner to your resume. <laughs> yes, I've heard that buzz. I do like football. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there for everyone. <laughs> well, I, I, there's not much I can say about that right now, um, but uh, she does like football. <laughs> well, I mean, you have the rights to Thursday Night yeah. Football on Amazon. Yeah. So even if you can't talk about that specifically, is owning a professional team something that perhaps was always part of your dream? Well, I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I, I played uh, I played uh, football growing up as a kid. It is my favorite sport. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. Once again, I do like football. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff Bezos said that football is his favorite sport and said regarding owning a professional football team, quote, well, just have to wait and see, end quote. There was no denial from Bezos about all of the reports out there about him wanting to buy the commanders. Uh, That was a non-confirmation, confirmation of the reports. I mean, if they weren't true, if he truly wasn't interested in buying the commanders, Bezos could have shut down this talk of him buying the commanders right then and there. He did not do that. Instead, quote, we'll just have to wait and see, end quote. Yes, we will, Uncle Jeff. Yes, we will. Oh, by the way, have you seen the video of this clip? Jeff Bezos, for the interview, was wearing a button-down colored shirt that was the color burgundy. I kid you not, Uncle Jeff was wearing a burgundy-colored shirt. Coincidence? I think not. Anyway, coming up on the show, in-depth reaction to and analysis of the Commander's win at the Eagles on Monday night. There is so much to get to. What a game. What a night. I'll give you my breakdowns of the many, and I mean many, heroes for the Commanders, including, yes, quarterback Taylor Heineke, from whom you will hear, as well as hearing from head coach Ron Rivera, who, by the way, got the game ball from the team late night on Monday night and got emotional late night on Monday night. Take a listen to this. This was great. You're going to hear Ron getting the game ball in a victorious and boisterous commander's locker room. You're going to hear Ron get emotional, and then you are going to hear a heck of a postgame speech from another hero for the Commanders on Monday night, receiver Terry McLaurin. Take a listen. I dare you not to get chills. My mother would have been prepped. You can see how much that means to him. It means a lot to everybody in this locker room, bro. We set the tone. We took it to them. We don't got shit from no fucking bottom, bro. We set the tone, man. We set the tone. Offense, defense, special teams. We come to practice. We practice hard. We take it to people. We be opportunistic, and we gonna win games, bro. We're going to go on the road again. We're going to try to get this done. Bring this shit in, bro. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Family on three. One, two, three. Yeah.
How great was that? Like I said, I dare you not to get chills in listening to that. It is great to be with you. It is a show like this one that is exactly, that is precisely why I do this podcast. Uh, I, on this show, will hit on some non-Commander's Eagles items. Uh, I actually have a baseball segment for you as we, on Monday evening, had both Nationals and Orioles news. The Nats, on Monday evening, announced that they had placed pitcher Seth Romero on unconditional release waivers, as it turns out that he, on Sunday, was arrested for the second time this year. What a bust that he ended up being for the Nats. Uh, The O's on Monday evening saw catcher Adley Rutschman finish second in the voting for American League Rookie of the Year, and that's significant for several reasons, including a contractual reason. I shall explain, and I will have some thoughts on the horrific tragedy for the University of Virginia. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com, including if you would like to advertise on the podcast and grow your business or practice by reaching thousands of people every episode at a very affordable price, hit us up. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Plenty of feedback on the commanders off this big win at the Eagles on Monday night. Email from Thelonious Funk, who, as you may recall, crushed Commander's Offensive Coordinator Scott Turner in an email that I read on Monday's show, episode 442. Subject, you're welcome, uh, writes Thelonious. I can't help but think my email to you gave Washington some good luck. The only thing better than dejected Phillies fans is pouting Eagles fans after a Quez Watkins fumble. Also, I'm sure that Scott Turner listens to your podcast and my criticism of his play calling. That was the best complete offensive game I've seen Washington play in a long time. I love it, Thelonious. I love it. Yes, Scott and defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, terrific jobs on Monday night. Email from Stanley Evans, right, Stanley? I can't sleep, LOL. Tay-Tay makes some awful mistakes, but he also gives this team a chance to win in every single ball game. If the game is close, Haneke has shown time and time again he can win close games. The fans know it. The players know it. I just hope Rivera has the courage to stick with Taylor, even if Carson Wentz is healthy. Also, Scott Turner deserves some flowers because he stuck with the game plan. The defense played well again. Props to Rivera for keeping this team focused. What a team win. A shot for the playoffs is well in sight. Have an awesome Victory Tuesday. Same to you, Stanley. Thank you. Email from Dr. George Verghese of the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, writes Dr. Verghese. I was thinking back to that 1991 game in which we were the baddest undefeated team at 11-0 and the Cowboys came into RFK Stadium and did an onside kick, went for it on every fourth down and absolutely devastated my teenage self. Tonight, we served it up cold and laid the smackdown on those jabroni eagles. Fly, eagles, fly. LOL. Hell to the Redskins. Yes, doctor. Hell to the Redskins. And yes, the commanders, the mandos, the durs, uh, they laid the smackdown. They layeth the smacketh down on the jabroni eagles. In fact, if I can summon one of my longtime close personal friends, the Iron Sheik. Sheiky baby, the commanders on Monday night made the Eagles humble. Sheiky baby, talk to me. Make him humble. 
Exactly, Shiki. Thank you very much. Well, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland continue to be there for you, just like Shiki Baby is always there for us. Uh, but Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are there for you and whatever your dermatological needs may be. Dr. George Verghese, he is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists, and he and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland provide excellent skin care. Whatever your dermatological needs may be, call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. George Verghese, he is a big Commanders fan. He is a loyal listener of this podcast and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland focus on medical skin care, cosmetic procedures, and skin cancer diagnosis and comprehensive care. If you're dealing with allergic reactions, if you're dealing with acne, psoriasis, or eczema, if you're interested in procedures like Botox, laser hair removal, or chemical peels. If you are dealing with skin cancer or have dealt with skin cancer or want to get screened for skin cancer, contact Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Heck, Dr. Verghese and the Institute offer free skin cancer screenings in addition to offering advanced treatments for many skin cancers, including treatments that many other practices do not offer, like SRT, which is superficial radiation therapy. To find out more, call 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. Make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you, but call 301-396-3401. You can also visit midatlanticskin.com. That's midatlanticskin.com. For excellent and comprehensive skincare, contact Dr. George Verghese in the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, so many heroes for the Commanders in their 32-21 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night. I don't know if quarterback Taylor Heineke was the biggest hero, but he was the team's starting quarterback, and he's almost certainly going to be remaining the team's starting quarterback, barring him getting injured. Uh, Carson Wentz now is eligible to come off the reserve injured list as he has missed the mandatory four games. But A, who knows where exactly he's at in his recovery from the fractured right ring finger. And B, how do you bench Taylor Heineke? How do you bench Tay-Tay at this point? In fact, this was Taylor during his postgame press conference late night on Monday night on if he had any thoughts or worries about his status as the commander's starting quarterback. Not at all. Um, again, you know, I said it back in OTAs. You know, we, we brought Carson in to be the starter. And if, if my number was called, I'd, I'd be ready to go in. So, um, you know, whatever decision they, they want to make, um, let's go. You know, if, I, if I'm backing up Carson next week, great. I'm going to help him any way I can to, to get ready for that Texans game. So, um, you know, the biggest thing for me, let's, let's just go win. Let's keep winning, uh, whether me playing or not. What a perfect answer right there. From Taylor Heineke. What a job by Taylor Heineke during his tenure as a Washington quarterback. Going back to when that tenure started, 
in December 2020. I tweeted this late night on Monday night. The focus on Taylor Heineke needs to stop being on what he isn't and start being on what he is. No reasonable person views him as a long-term franchise quarterback. Uh, Not yet, anyway, okay? But no, at this point in time, no reasonable person is completely certain that, hey, this guy is our long-term franchise quarterback. But the job that he has done for Washington in each of the team's last three seasons now, 2020, 2021, and 2022, all things considered, is remarkable, okay? The intent has never been for this guy to be Washington's starting quarterback, and yet he, as Washington's starting quarterback, has done a pretty good job. Do you know that his regular season record now as a Washington quarterback is 10-9? and And look, I am the first person to say that judging a quarterback by his one-loss record is extremely flawed, okay? And I still very much believe that. But the record isn't completely meaningless. And especially in this case, the Taylor Haneke case, the Tay-Tay case, there's something to be said for that. But this guy with this team, given this team's circumstances, is 10-9 and nine in the regular season. Stop focusing on what Taylor Heineke isn't and start focusing on what he is. Here was some more from Taylor during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night. Uh, I'd probably say it's probably the biggest win of my career. Um, again, you know, it's a division opponent, undefeated, their place, Monday night. Can't, can't get much better than that. No, it can't. So Taylor Heineke on Monday night was the commander starting quarterback for a fourth consecutive game, and he was good. Now, Taylor's numbers for the game were not special. Uh, He went 17 of 29 for 211 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. He took three sacks, including a sack strip for a loss fumble. He had five carries for 10 yards, but he also quarterbacked a commander's offense that went 12 of 21 on third downs and did so against an Eagles defense that through week nine was number two in the NFL in pass defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. And if you watched the game, which I know most, if not all of you did, Taylor came up so big on so many plays. The commander's second offensive drive, a 13-play, 75-yard drive that consumed 7 minutes, 21 seconds off the clock, resulted in running back Antonio Gibson's first quarter, second and goal, one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. The ninth snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, a third and two, 26-yard shotgun play action completion to receiver Terry McLaurin. The 11th snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, a second and 11, 14-yard shotgun play action completion to receiver Jahan Dodson. Commander's third offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's second quarter 44-yard field goal. Third snap of the drive, final snap of the first quarter, Taylor Heineke, third and two, four-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin. Fourth snap of the drive, first snap of the second quarter, Taylor Heineke, first and 10, nine-yard under center play action boot completion to tight end Logan Thomas. Ninth snap of the drive, third and eight for the commanders at the Eagles 44, Taylor Heineke, a 14-yard shotgun completion 
to Terry McLaurin on a laser of a pass from Taylor. Commander's fourth offensive drive, 16 plays, 86 yards, consumed 7 minutes, 4 seconds off the clock, resulted in running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s late second quarter, second and goal, one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run, sixth snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, third and six, 23-yard shotgun completion to receiver Curtis Samuel. The seventh snap of the drive, one of the moments of the night for Taylor. First and 10 for the Commanders at the Eagles 48. Center Tyler Larson unleashed a horrendous shotgun snap that went over Taylor Heineke's head. But Taylor saved the day. He did a tremendous job of recovering the ball and throwing it away for the most clutch incompletion that you'll ever see. And he was not charged with an intentional grounding penalty as he got the ball back to the line of scrimmage while out of the pocket. I mean, that could have been a play on which the commanders lost dozens of yards. Instead, it ended up going down as a mere incompletion, thanks to Taylor Heineke, A, getting control of the football, and B, throwing it away and throwing it away to where he wasn't hit with an intentional grounding penalty. Ninth snap of the drive on a third and five for the Commanders at the Eagles 43. Taylor Heineke, 18-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin. Twelfth snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, third and 10, nine-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin. Commanders fifth offensive drive. This was a drive on which the Commanders were aggressive late in the second quarter. This drive started with 106 left in the second quarter. And for like, for once, the team actually tried to score and was successful in trying to score. Good to see the commanders be aggressive offensively late in a first half. The drive resulted in Joey Sly's 58-yard field goal as time expired in the second quarter. Third snap of the drive, third and two for the commanders at their 38. Taylor Heineke, a seven-yard shotgun read option run. Fifth snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, a second and 10, 15-yard shotgun completion to receiver Deami Brown, who made a really nice sliding catch. Uh, the commander's sixth offensive drive, their first offensive drive of the second half, 14 plays, 66 yards, ate up 8 minutes, 23 seconds off the clock, resulted in Joey Sly's third quarter, 32-yard field goal. More good work from Taylor Heineke. Six snap of the drive, Taylor a second and 12, 11-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin on a bullet by Taylor. Seven snap of the drive, Taylor a third and one, two-yard quarterback sneak run. Eight snap of the drive, Taylor a first and 10, 41-yard under center play action completion to Terry McLaurin. What a great throw by Taylor on that play, and obviously a terrific catch by Terry. Commander's 10th offensive drive. This was a clutch drive, but in a unique way for Taylor. So the drive started with the Commanders nursing a 26-21 lead in the fourth quarter. Third snap of the drive, third and seven for the Commanders at the 50. Taylor Heineke gave himself up for a sack in order to not even attempt a dangerous pass. And then edge defender Brandon Graham incredibly, inexplicably committed a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty for a totally unnecessary late hit on Taylor for a massive gift of a first down. Thank you, Brandon Graham. Uh, this was Taylor during his postgame press conference late night on Monday night on what happened. You know, that last play there, we, we kind of called a slant for Terry, and it was one of those things, like, if he's open, give it to him. If not, take a sack. Um, and I was not going to throw it unless he was wide open. Um, you know, 
just the, the, the rapport of the game. I didn't want anything crazy to happen. So um, when I took that knee and I saw them kind of still coming at me, I was hoping they would hit me, and sure enough, they did. So uh, it was a mistake on their end, but hey, um, you know, we'll live with it. Yes, you will. Now, was there bad from Taylor Heineke on Monday night? Yes, there was. Uh, He had another fourth quarter interception. Boy, it feels like he's good for at least one of these every game. A commander's seventh offensive drive, fifth snap of the drive, third and three for the commanders at the Eagles 43. Taylor Heineke, a deep shotgun pass intended for Terry McLaurin, thrown into double coverage, was intercepted by safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Taylor had a first quarter loss fumble. Commander's first offensive drive was the opening drive of the game. Third snap of the drive, third and five for the Commanders at their 13. Taylor Heineke underthrew Curtis Samuel on a shotgun incompletion. And then on the fifth snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Commanders at their 28. Taylor Heineke, a loss fumble on a sack strip by edge defender Josh Sweat. And the ensuing Eagles offensive drive resulted in quarterback Jalen Hurts' first quarter, second to goal, one-yard quarterback sneak touchdown run. You know, it felt like a route could be on, but thankfully, that was not the case. The commanders did such a good job of responding to that first Eagles touchdown. And the commander's offense throughout the game did a really good job of putting together substantial drives and dominating time of possession. More on that coming up next segment. But here was head coach Rod Rivera during his postgame press conference late night on Monday night on Taylor Heineke. And this starts with Ron on what stood out to him about Taylor. And then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. His, his grit, you know, his, 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 um, you know, his, 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 just his, the way he plays. I mean, he, he, he's, he's a guy that, you know, it's hard to, 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 to beat the underdog mentality sometimes, and that's you know that's like I told you guys, that's him. Did that look like a personal foul to you there on that? Yes, he took a knee, then took a second knee and got hit. That play, and then the one where he threw it out of bounds. Um, Those are two very headsy plays, very headsy plays. You know, prior to the snap on that play, we were trying to throw the slant to Terry, and you know Terry got off the line but for whatever reason I didn't think Taylor didn't want to throw it so he held on to it and didn't kind of scramble around a little bit and then you know um took the knee is that an area where you've seen some growth oh yeah very much so you know it's one thing that he's learning you know take what's given um the second uh, or the the interception he threw um he had a couple underneath guys he could have gone with but you know he went for the home run And as you could hear in the background of that cut, Commanders players were celebrating after that win on Monday night. They were going crazy after this game on Monday night. Well, we always hope that you have reason to celebrate in your life, but if you have been victimized by the negligence of someone else, if you have a case, you should contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C., based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases, offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. 
Paulson and Nace treats its clients with respect and dignity and wants what is best for the firm's clients. Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. And Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, this past July, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly one point eight million dollars. This to a former American University field hockey player because of a military doctor's failure to diagnose and treat the student for a 2011 concussion that left her with permanent symptoms. Uh, You may have read about this. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. Uh, If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment called 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. When you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Paulson and Nace take care of your family. Well, while everyone is in a happy mood, please consider rating and reviewing the Al Galdi podcast. If you haven't yet done those things, uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated, and you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. The ratings and the reviews help us out a lot, and I very much appreciate you doing them. So a crazy last 10 days for the Commanders. Uh, You think about it, right? Uh, the crazy last 10 days for the team included a tough loss, right? The 2017 loss to the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field on November 6th in a game in which the Commanders blew a 17-7 fourth quarter lead. Uh, the crazy last 10 days included more on the team potentially being sold. Uh, the crazy last 10 days included a controversial statement from the team last Wednesday evening that invoked the shooting of Commander's running back Brian Robinson Jr. and angered a lot of people. The crazy last 10 days included Washington, D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine last Thursday afternoon announcing a lawsuit against the Commander's team owner Dan Snyder, the NFL, and Commissioner Roger Goodell. The crazy last 10 days included Commander's head coach Ron Rivera attending his mother's funeral. Off all of this, the Commanders got this monster win on Monday night. They improved to 5-5 with a 32-21 shocker at the Philadelphia Eagles, who had been 8-0. Here was Ron during his postgame press conference late night on Monday night on what this win means to him. It, um, It means a lot just because the guys were able to stay focused on what's important. And what they did on the football field today was important. It, it means it resonates with those guys. I mean, you hear them in the locker room right now, and, and the hard work is beginning to pay off. You know, things have turned the corner. That's starting to pay off. You know, our young guys are stepping up. Defoe making the plays that he did. The guys on special teams, the young guys that play on special teams, contribute making plays. You know, uh, the you know, Jamin Davis playing the way he's been playing lately in, in the absence of Cole. You know, um, the wide receiving crew. 
I mean, Terry and those guys are, are unbelievable. And, and, and there's a lot of guys that deserve a lot of credit in that locker room. Yes, there are. And let's get to more of those guys right now. Our last segment sung the praises of Commander's quarterback Taylor Heineke. Let's right now sing the praises of a number of other people, including offensive coordinator Scott Turner. How about the job by Scott on Monday night? You know, his night did not get off to a good start. Uh, the Commander's first offensive drive, opening drive of the game, the fifth Snap of the drive, a disastrous play. First and 10 for the Commanders at their 28. Taylor Heineke, a lost fumble on a sack strip by edge defender Josh Sweat, who abused left tackle Charles Leno Jr. and blasted Taylor on his blind side. This play reeked of so much of what we saw in the first game between the Commanders and the Eagles this season, right? The 24-8 Commanders lost to the Eagles at FedEx Field in Week 3. A huge issue in that game was the Commanders' horrendous pass protection. Uh, Carson Wentz in that game got sacked nine times. He ended up being the victim of 17 quarterback hits. And, you know, you go back to the play that resulted in the sack strip loss fumble on Monday night. Uh, Scott Turner on this play had Taylor Heineke taking a deep drop. This was exactly what got the commanders in trouble in that first game against the Eagles. And that sack strip loss fumble for Taylor Heineke on Monday night reeked of Scott Turner being too, you know, stuck in his ways and too insistent on winning his way and not adjusting enough to the opposition. But the rest of the game ended up being like an offensive clinic against one of the best defenses in the NFL. Now, look, the commander's offense ended up not being like ultra dynamic, okay? I mean, the commanders in the game, yes, totaled 32 points. That is a season high. But remember, you at the end of the game, as in on the last snap of the game, got the one-yard fumble return for a touchdown by edge defender Casey Tuhill. So the commanders truly put up 26 points on Monday night. But you know what? The Eagles through week nine were number three in the NFL in total defense per Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. The commanders, considering the opponent did a good job offensively on Monday night. I mean, the commanders on Monday night obliterated the Eagles in terms of time of possession. The commanders won the time of possession battle by a jaw-dropping 20 minutes 48 seconds. I mean, this was the formula for Washington's four-game winning streak last season, right? Winning the time of possession. Well, (laughs) the commanders on Monday night won the time of possession battle and then some. Uh, The commanders went 12 of 21 on third downs, including a sensational 9 of 12 on third downs in the first half. Listen to some of these commanders' offensive drives. Commander's second offensive drive, a 13-play, 75-yard drive that consumed 7 minutes, 21 seconds off the clock, resulted in running back Antonio Gibson's first quarter, second and goal, one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. The commander's fourth offensive drive, a 16-play, 86-yard drive 
that consumed seven minutes, four seconds off the clock, resulted in running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s late second quarter, second and goal, one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. The Commander's sixth offensive drive was their first offensive drive of the second half, a 14-play, 66-yard drive that consumed eight minutes, 23 seconds off the clock, resulted in kicker Joey Sly's third quarter 32-yard field goal. The Commanders on Monday night had three different offensive drives that each lasted for at least seven minutes. Think about that. Scott Turner on Monday night was a hero. A salute to Scotty Boy for his work on Monday night, especially considering this, the frequency with which Commanders pass catchers ran wide open on Monday night, especially in the first half. Uh, Receiver Terry McLaurin was a hero on Monday night. Great to see Terry shine as he did on national TV. Terry on Monday night, eight receptions for 128 yards on 11 targets. And he drew a penalty. Uh, The commander's third offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's second quarter 44-yard field goal. The sixth snap of that drive, Terry McLaurin drew a first and 10 five-yard illegal contact penalty on corner Darius Slay for a commander's first down. But so many big catches by Terry on Monday night. I chronicled a lot of this last segment in talking Taylor Heineke. But I mean, you had from Terry on Monday night, so many catches that resulted in first downs. But how about this? Terry McLaurin on Monday night won the battle with Eagles corner Darius Slay. Darius Slay is one of the best corners in the NFL. Terry McLaurin on Monday night for the NFL's next-gen stats faced Darius Slay on 19 of Terry's 29 routes. Terry caught five of seven targets for 90 yards with Slay as the nearest defender, the most yards given up to a receiver by Slay since week 15 of the 2021 season. And that week 15 also happened to feature a matchup for Slay against Terry McLaurin. But it's not just what Terry did on Monday night. It was against whom Terry did what he did on Monday night, facing one of the best corners in the NFL and Darius Slay. Terry McLaurin is a top 10 receiver in the NFL. I am so tired. I'm so sick and tired of people saying that, nah, he's not really top 10. No, he's top 10. Okay, especially when you consider the merry-go-round of quarterbacks that Terry has played with over his now four NFL seasons, and yet the guy has produced as he has produced. Yeah, he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL, and he on Monday night against an elite corner in Darius Slay, against an elite pass defense in that of the Eagles, had eight receptions for a buck 28 on 11 targets, and Terry drew a penalty Thank you very much. Uh, I liked a lot of what we saw from the commander's running game on Monday night. You know, the Eagles through week nine were just 27th in the NFL in run defense per DVOA for the 2022 regular season. On Monday's show, episode 442 talked about, hey, you know, the Eagles run defense is something that the commanders on Monday night can perhaps exploit. Well, look, the commanders didn't finish with like dominant rushing stats, but I thought that the stats were a bit misleading. The commanders in this game ran the ball effectively. Running back Brian Robinson Jr., 26 carries for 86 yards 
and a touchdown. Running back Antonio Gibson, 14 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown. And he had three receptions for 14 yards on three targets. Again, those numbers don't overwhelm you, but again, go back through the specifics of the game. I mean, Brian Robinson Jr. was a force on the commander's fourth offensive drive. 16 plays, 86 yards, ate up seven minutes, four seconds off the clock, resulted in Robinson's touchdown run, the late second quarter, second and goal, one-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run on which Robinson fought like crazy and extended his left arm across the goal line while in the grasp of two Eagles defenders while offensive lineman Samuel Cosme was pushing the pile. What a moment that was, but first snap of the drive, Robinson, a first and 10, five-yard under center handoff run. Third snap of the drive, Robinson, third and one, two-yard shotgun handoff run. 14th snap of the drive, first and 10 for the commanders at the Eagles, 14, Robinson, an 11-yard under center handoff run. Uh, some really good stuff from Robinson on the commander's second offensive drive. Another mammoth drive. 13 plays, 75 yards, ate up 7 minutes, 21 seconds off the clock. Resulted in Antonio Gibson's touchdown run, his first quarter second and goal. One yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. Robinson on this drive, four carries for 21 yards. Second snap of the drive, Robinson, second and seven, six yard shotgun handoff run. Third snap of the drive, Robinson, third and one, four yard shotgun handoff run. Eighth snap of the drive, Robinson, second and 10, eight yard shotgun handoff run. Uh, the commander's sixth offensive drive, that opening drive of the second half, another lengthy drive, 14 plays, 66 yards, consumed eight minutes, 23 seconds off the clock, resulted in Joey Sly's third quarter, 32-yard field goal. First snap of that drive, Brian Robinson Jr., a first and 10, six-yard under center toss run. Third snap of that drive, Brian Robinson Jr., a third and one, two-yard shotgun handoff run. And then with Antonio Gibson on Monday night. So he had his touchdown run, that first quarter second and goal, one yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. What was, by the way, the commander's first first quarter touchdown since the touchdown on the opening drive of the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one. I mean, how about that? Uh, Gibson also on that drive on the 12th snap and on the snap right before the touchdown, first and goal at the five, had a four-yard under center handoff run. Uh, you had what Gibson did on the commander's first offensive drive of the second half. Their sixth offensive drive of the game resulted in the Joey Sly third quarter, 32-yard field goal. Tenth snap of the drive, second and eight for the commanders at the Eagles 15. Gibson a seven-yard under center handoff run. Eleventh snap of the drive. Gibson, a third and one, two-yard pistol handoff run. He got banged up in the game, but Gibson ended up coming back uh, into the game. And then there was the kicker. How good was Joey Sly on Monday night? Jacked up Joey. You know, Joey Sly is as jacked as any kicker you'll ever see. He on Monday night went four of four on field goals, three of which were 40-plus yard field goals. Sly connected on a second quarter, 44-yard field goal to cut the commander's deficit to 14-10. Sly connected on a 58-yard field goal as time expired in the second quarter to give the commanders a 2014 lead. Sly connected on a third quarter, 32-yard field goal for a 23-14 lead. Sly connected on a fourth quarter, 55-yard field goal for a 26-21 commander's lead. Joey Sly on Monday night was outstanding. Uh, he now in this 2022 regular season is 13 of 15 on field goals, including three of three on field goal attempts 
of at least 50 yards. A lot of heroes for the commanders on Monday night, and we haven't even gotten to the defense yet. I'm going to talk defense next segment. Some more from Ron Rivera during his postgame press conference late night on Monday night. I mean, there's a lot of things playing into it, especially when you're a young football team. You got a lot of young guys out there. Is, is are we good enough? Can we do it? Well, hell, we played a pretty good game last week against a very good football team in Minnesota, and you know, and had a chance to win that game. You know, and so coming into this game, we felt we had an opportunity. We really did, but and you know, and and, and we told you know, I told the guys, don't worry about what's going on out there. Just stay focused on what's important. I'll handle all the interesting stuff, and they did that, and then. You know, and then we went into this with the uh, with the attitude that don't be surprised, don't be surprised after the game. I told the guys that, and and that's you know I don't know if you heard one of the guys say it, um, but that's what that's what we talked about. Don't be surprised. Yeah, and don't be surprised by this. Up next, I'll give you my thoughts on the performance of the Commanders' defense in this big win at the Eagles on Monday Night Football. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, the Commander's 33-21 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday night was just Washington's third win over the team's last 12 games against the Eagles. The Eagles have owned Washington in recent seasons, but the Eagles did not own Washington on Monday night. So how about the Commander's defense? Uh, It 
was good again, although the good has to be framed in the proper way. So first of all, the commander's defense on Monday night was facing a force of an offense. The Eagles through week nine for Football Outsiders DVOA metric had the following rankings for the 2022 regular season. Number four in the NFL in total offense. Number three in the NFL in passing offense. Number five in the NFL in rushing offense. The Eagles offense was a daunting task for the commander's defense, but the defense ended up being up to the task in a different kind of way. Uh, Now, the commander's defense was, again, without multiple key players. Linebacker Cole Holcomb inactive for a third consecutive game due to a foot injury. The commanders, again, were depleted at linebacker with not just Holcomb out, but also linebacker David Mayo being out. He was inactive for a second consecutive game due to a hamstring injury. Uh, No, edge defender Chase Young did not make his season debut on Monday night. He remains on the reserve physically unable to perform list. He has been on that since August 23rd due to the torn right ACL that he suffered one year to the day of this win at the Eagles on Monday night. Chase suffered that injury in the win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field on November 14th. 2021. You know, his 21-day practice window was started on November 2nd. The commanders have until November 23rd to either activate Chase Young or put him on the reserve injured list and end his season before it ever begins. Now, the feeling still is that Chase Young will play this season, but boy, I mean, he was not activated for this game on Monday night. Hopefully, he is activated for the commander's next game at the Houston Texans this Sunday afternoon at one. Of course, the commanders also remain without interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis. Uh, he has been on the reserve injured list since September 12th due to a left knee injury that he suffered in the first quarter of the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one. Now, look, the commander's defense on Monday night on a per-play basis wasn't great, but The defense was barely on the field as the commanders ran 81 offensive plays to the Eagles 47 and the commander's defense was outstanding at producing takeaways. The commanders on Monday night generated four takeaways against an Eagles team that had committed just three turnovers during its 8-0 start to the 2022 regular season. Three of the commander's four takeaways came in the fourth quarter. And of course, you also have the reality of the commander's defense this season having not been so good at generating takeaways. So it's not just what happened on Monday night, it's who did the what on Monday night. A commander's defense that had not been so good at producing takeaways, an Eagles offense that had been outstanding at preventing turnovers, and yet you had the commanders on Monday night generating four takeaways, including three in the fourth quarter. This is why you hear me say that takeaways slash turnovers are random, are flukish. You can go the longest time without committing turnovers, and then all of a sudden, you commit a bunch. You can go the longest time without generating takeaways, and then you can generate a bunch. And we had all of that in effect on Monday night. And the four takeaways, in so many ways, made this a good performance for the commander's defense. Uh, Takeaway number one by the commanders. The Eagles' third offensive drive, the fourth snap of the drive on a second quarter, first and 10 for the Eagles at their 45. Safety, Derek Forrest, a terrific interception on a deep shotgun play action pass 
by quarterback Jalen Hurts into double coverage. The pass was intended for receiver A.J. Brown, who also was being covered by corner Benjamin St. Juice. The ensuing commander's offensive drive resulted in running back Brian Robinson Jr.'s late second quarter second and goal. One-yard shotgun handoff touchdown run. Takeaway number two by the commanders. The Eagles' seventh offensive drive started at the Eagles' seven off quarterback Taylor Heineke's fourth-quarter interception to safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Sixth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Eagles at their 31. <laughs> Linebacker Jamin Davis got away with a blatant face mask penalty on a fumble recovery of a forced fumble by interior defensive lineman John Ridgeway on tight end Dallas Goddard on a two-yard reception. And I mean, everyone knows this by now, but Jamin was so guilty of a face mask penalty and somehow the officials missed it. That, my friends, was a gift from the football gods. Uh, the ensuing commander's offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's fourth quarter 55-yard field goal for a 26-21 commander's lead. Look, if you are a commander's fan like I am, you don't need to apologize for this, okay? Because uh, Washington over the years has been jobbed plenty of times by calls that were not made. But make no mistake, I mean, that was a big-time gift from the officials on Monday night. Them missing that face mask penalty by Jamin Davis Thank you very much. Uh, takeaway number three by the Commanders. The Eagles' eighth offensive drive happened in the fourth quarter. Third snap of the drive, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen drew a first and 10, 10-yard holding penalty on left guard Landon Dickerson. And then on the very next snap, first and 20 for the Eagles at their 27, the Commanders gave up a 50-yard shotgun completion from Jalen Hurts to receiver Quez Watkins, but Benjamin St. Juice tackled Watkins from behind and forced a fumble that Derek Forrest recovered. Uh, the ensuing commander's offensive drive resulted in a three and out, but you gave up a 50-yard passing play, but you also on that play generated a takeaway. And then takeaway number four by the commanders, the perfect exclamation mark, Eagles 10th offensive drive, the first snap of the drive, the final snap of the game, first and 10 for the Eagles at their 10. Edge defender Casey Tuhill, a one-yard fumble return for a touchdown on a desperation lateral play by the Eagles. Unbelievable. Four takeaways by the commander's defense on Monday night of an Eagles offense that came into the game having committed three turnovers during the 2022 regular season up until this game. Uh, the commander's defense also came through with a big fourth quarter three and out. Uh, Eagles' ninth offensive drive happened deep in the fourth quarter with the Commanders nursing a 26-21 lead, resulted in a three and out. The second snap of the drive, Jonathan Allen ran over Landon Dickerson, who got worked by Allen in this game and generated significant pressure on a shotgun incompletion by Jalen Hurts. And then on the next snap, third and eight for the Eagles at their 22. Edge defender Montez Sweat sacked Jalen Hurts for a five-yard loss as Hurts was attempting to scramble out of the shotgun. That was the commander's lone sack of the game, but that was a big sack in the game. Now, the commander's defense did give some stuff up. The commanders allowed the Eagles to average 5.62 yards per play. Uh, the commanders allowed the Eagles to go five of eight on third downs. You know, a third consecutive game in which the commanders uh, allowed the opposing team to do well on third downs. The commanders now, over their last three games, have allowed opponents to go a combined 17 of 36 on third downs. The commanders, over their first seven games of this 2022 regular season, held opposing teams to combined 26 of 88 on third downs. And, you know, there were some impressive offensive drives 
by the Eagles. The Eagles' second offensive drive, nine plays, 78 yards. Uh, the Eagles ran a lot of no huddle. The drive resulted in Jalen Hurts' late first quarter, first and goal, six-yard shotgun jump, touchdown pass to Dallas Goddard. Uh, as uh, Jalen Hurts uh, channeled his inner Tim Tebow, and Goddard uh, used a stutter step to blow by linebacker John Bostick. He had a key penalty by Benjamin St. Juice on that drive, the 10th snap of the drive, the snap right before the touchdown. The Juice committed a second and 13 30-yard pass interference penalty in covering receiver Devontae Smith. Speaking of him, uh, the Eagles' sixth offensive drive resulted in Jalen Hurts' first and 10 11-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Devontae Smith on the first snap of the fourth quarter as Benjamin St. Juice had a bad missed tackle. This was a lengthy drive by the Eagles, 12 plays, 80 yards, uh, eight up five minutes, 19 seconds off the clock. Look, the Eagles' offense is good. You're going to give stuff up. The commanders gave some stuff up, but man, four takeaways on Monday night. That in conjunction with the defense barely being on the field, resulted in the commanders ultimately doing a more than respectable job against the ultra-potent Eagles. Uh, here was commanders head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference late night on Monday night on the many contributions that the commanders defense got from younger players in this win. Well, that's about growth. I mean, when you start looking at what you're, what we're getting from, you know, those young guys, it's they're coming into their own right now. I mean, you know, Benjamin St. Jude is coming into his own. You know, Derek Forrest has really taken the next step um, to the point where, you know, we trust him so much that we move Bobby down into the nickel position just to make sure we got, you know, the, the, who we feel are, are three of our really good DBs. So we've got a good mixture in there. Um you know, and as I country, you know, and, and I know we talk about, but Jamin continues to take another step and, and he continues to grow. Um, I mean, there's a lot of positive things that are happening. I mean, we, we got a ways to go before we were really where we want to be. But, you know, this is just showing what we can be. Yeah, what a night Monday night was. And now begins an ultra quick week for the Commanders as their next game is approaching quickly. And the game is a road game off this Monday night road game. Uh, five and five Commanders at the 1-7-1 and one Houston Texans this Sunday afternoon at 1. Well, while you were getting ready for the Commanders game at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football, we did have some significant Nationals and Orioles news. Uh, first, the Nats, and boy, were they lucky that their news got buried by the big Commanders win at the Eagles. Uh, the Nats on Monday evening announced that they had placed pitcher Seth Romero on unconditional release waivers. And thus ends the tenure of one of the biggest busts in Nats history. Heck, maybe the biggest bust in Nats history. Uh, Nats insider Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post on Monday evening reported that Romero on Sunday was arrested in Texas on charges of driving while intoxicated and possession of a controlled substance. This was his second arrest this year. Uh, Seth Romero this past January 14th was arrested in Texas and charged with driving while intoxicated. So the Nats took Seth Romero with the number 25 pick in the 2017 MLB draft. Now, this was a risky pick to begin with, 
as Romero at the University of Houston was suspended twice and ultimately dismissed from the program. Uh, Romero was sent home from 2018 Nat Spring training for repeated curfew violations. He underwent Tommy John surgery on August 30th, 2018. He spent a good chunk of the 2022 season dealing with a left calf strain, and now he's out. Uh, he ultimately, for the Nats, totaled two and two-thirds major league regular season innings. Yes, Seth Romero, on whom the Nats spent the number 25 pick in the 2017 MLB draft, ultimately netted for the Nats a mere two and two-thirds major league regular season innings, all of which came as a reliever in the 2020 COVID-shortened season. Uh, Just a total and complete bust. And look, the guy may well have some sort of a problem, okay? If he does, I hope that he gets the help that he needs. I mean, two arrests in one year, uh, that is perhaps a screaming cry for help, okay? Who knows? But when you talk about why the Nats are in the state that they're in, a guy like Seth Romero is why. I have talked about this. I will continue to talk about this. Bad drafting and bad player development. Those two things are the biggest reasons why the Nats are in the state that they're in, and Seth Romero epitomizes this. Uh, Meantime, the Orioles, uh, catcher Adley Rutschman, as expected, did not win the American League Rookie of the Year Award, which was announced on Monday evening. Uh, Seattle Mariners outfielder Julio Rodriguez, a.k.a. J-Rod, as expected, won the award. Uh, He received 29 of the 31st place votes. Rutschman received the other first place vote. Uh, Adley Rutschman in many other years would have won AL Rookie of the Year, but Julio Rodriguez had a tremendous rookie season, although so too did Adley Rutschman. But here's maybe the most significant aspect of Rutschman finishing second in the voting for AL Rookie of the Year. He now receives credit for a full year of service time. Uh, Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association in the most recent collective bargaining agreement agreed on a so-called prospect promotion incentive. Uh, The idea with the prospect promotion incentive is to disincentivize what's called service time manipulation. And so now any player with less than 60 days of MLB service coming into a season who placed on at least two preseason top 100 prospects lists out of those for MLB Pipeline, Baseball America, and ESPN receives a full year of service time if he finishes in the top two in Rookie of the Year balloting or if he places well in MVP or Cy Young voting. Uh, Adley Rutschman now meets this qualification, meaning that he has earned a full year of service for the 2022 season, even though the O's didn't call him up to the majors until this past May 21st. Uh, So Rutschman now will qualify for arbitration after the 2024 season and now will reach free agency after the 2027 season. So from an Orioles perspective, this actually is not so good news, although the reason that you have this not so good news is that Rutschman is legit. He had an excellent rookie season. Uh, The O's took Rutschman with the number one pick in the 2019 MLB draft out of Oregon State. He, at the time of being called up to the majors this past May 21st, was the number one prospect in baseball per MLB pipeline, and he more than lived up to the hype. I mean, Rutschman in the 2022 regular season had a wins above replacement for fan graphs of 5.3, and he accumulated that over just 100 
13 games. I mean, for comparison's sake, Julio Rodriguez, again, your AL Rookie of the Year, he, for the 2022 regular season, also had a wins above replacement per fan graphs of 5.3, and he accumulated his 5.3 F-war over 100 32 games. So what Rutschman did in 113 games, Rodriguez, aka J-Rod, needed 132 games to do. So Virginia basketball in the Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Monday moved up two spots from the previous week's poll, uh, went from 18th to 16th. Uh, the Cavaliers were supposed to play a game on Monday night. They were supposed to play Northern Iowa at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia at 8 on Monday night, but that game got canceled. Uh, and of course, for a horrendous reason, uh, we on late Sunday night had a terrible tragedy for the University of Virginia. Uh, a former Virginia running back shot and killed three Virginia football players and shot and wounded Two other Virginia students, including another Virginia football player. The three Virginia players who were killed, receiver Lavelle Davis Jr., receiver and Wisconsin transfer Devin Chandler, and linebacker slash defensive end Deshaun Perry. Uh, The Virginia player who was wounded was running back Mike Hollins. His father, Michael Hollins Sr., told the Washington Post that his son was shot in the back and was in stable condition. Uh, Just an awful, sickening tragedy. Uh, I am not naming the former Virginia running back who perpetrated the shooting. Uh, We clearly have a big-time problem with gun violence in this country. I do wonder if the publicity that some of these shooters get is part of why we keep having so many shootings in this country. And I wish that the media would stop giving these people so much publicity. Now, that said, there was a manhunt for this guy. So in this instance, there was value in this guy getting publicity, you know, in this guy's name and face being out there. Uh, The man has since been apprehended. He on Monday morning was apprehended without incident just before 11 a.m. in Henrico County, Virginia. He was arrested and charged with three counts of second degree murder and three counts of using a handgun in the commission of a felony. There's a lot about the incident that we do not know. Uh, Some of what we do know is that the students had been on a bus trip to Washington, D.C. to see a play and have dinner. The shooter and the victims were all on this trip. Uh, Two of the victims, Devin Chandler and Deshaun Perry, died at the scene on the bus. Lavelle Davis Jr. died at the hospital. Uh, Lavelle Davis Jr. is a name that you may recognize. I've talked about him on the podcast. Uh, He had missed Virginia's last two games due to injury. He was listed by UVA as being 6'7", and he was a playmaker. Uh, Davis this season, over 16 receptions, averaged 23.2 yards per catch. He this season had receptions of 62, 56, and 47 yards. Uh, We don't know what the tragedy means for the rest of Virginia's football season. Uh, Virginia has two games left in its season, home to Coastal Carolina this Saturday afternoon at 3.30 and then at Virginia Tech on Saturday, November 26th. A statement from Virginia head coach Tony Elliott on Monday afternoon, quote, I cannot find the words to express the devastation and heartache that our team is feeling today after the tragic events last night that resulted in the deaths of Lavelle, Deshaun, and Devin 
and the others who were injured. These were incredible young men with huge aspirations and extremely bright futures. Our hearts ache for their families, their classmates, and their friends. These precious young men were called away too soon. We are all fortunate to have them be a part of our lives. They touched us, inspired us, and worked incredibly hard as representatives of our program, university, and community. Rest in peace, young men. End quote. Uh, Virginia Tech head coach Brent Pry on Monday morning tweeted the following, quote, on behalf of our entire Virginia Tech football family, we are praying, sending sympathy and support to Coach Elliott, his staff, his team, their families, and the entire UVA community. You have our love and support. We are with you. Hashtag Hokies for Who's. End quote. Uh, you can always email me, the Algaldi podcast at yahoo.com. I, on Monday afternoon, got this email from Jim D. Writes, Jim, I hope this email finds you well. I am writing to you from Charlottesville, shaken this afternoon, as we are now in the aftermath of what has been a devastating and sickening moment in my school's history. I am struggling to find the words to describe how I feel right now, but I would ask that Goldy Nation keeps us all in its thoughts and prayers. Thanks, as always, for a great podcast. Well, thank you for that, Jim. Uh, you know, on Monday's show, episode 442 talked about the two blowout losses for Virginia and Virginia Tech this past Saturday afternoon. UVA fell to 3-7 and overall and 1-6 and in the ACC with a 37-7 loss to Pitt at Scott Stadium in Charlottesville on Saturday afternoon. Tech fell to 2-8 and overall and 1-6 and in the ACC with a 24-7 loss at Duke on Saturday afternoon. And on Monday's show, talked about the rough first seasons as head coaches that Virginia's Tony Elliott and Virginia Tech's Brent Pry are having. Uh, well, man, I mean, none of that matters now. I mean, it should never take tragedy to put sports in perspective. Sports should always be in perspective. But, you know, you're not going to hear me ranting anymore on Tony Elliott not tailoring his offense enough to quarterback Brendan Armstrong or anything like that, okay? All of that now is out the window. Uh, thoughts and prayers with the victims, their families and friends, the entire University of Virginia football program, and the entire UVA community, period. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday's show, episode 443, will feature a lot more on the commanders of them improving to 5-5 five and five with the stunner, the shocker, the 32-21 win at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. Uh, we on Tuesday expect to have a day after the game press conference for commanders head coach Ron Rivera. Also on Wednesday's show, we'll talk Capitals. Uh, they on Tuesday night are at the Florida Panthers at 7. And on Wednesday's show, we'll talk college hoops, Maryland, home to Binghamton, Tuesday night at 7, Georgetown, home to Northwestern, Tuesday evening at 6.30 in the Gavit tip-off games. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday.
back. You can see how much that means to him. It means a lot to everybody in this locker room, bro. We set the tone. We took it to them. We don't got shit from no fucking body, bro. We set the tone, man. We set the tone. Offense, defense, special teams. We come to practice. We practice hard. We take it to people. We be opportunistic, and we gonna win games, bro. We're gonna go on the road again. We're gonna try to get this done. Bring this shit in, bro. Yeah. 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 All right, family on three. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah.